We're going to look at Psalm 46 today. If you have your Bibles, open it up because it's all about that. That in the midst of everything that's going on and all the troubles, God's right there. And I'm hoping it can be a comfort to you. You know, if you don't feel good, usually call the doctor, right? And go to the doctor because he takes care of your body. And if you're having trouble in relationships or emotions, you might even go to a psychologist or a counselor, right? Well, my job is to help people with their soul. It's the innermost part of your being. The most you part of you is your soul. And what I want to help you do today is connect to God. And I'm hoping that somehow maybe I can broaden your thinking, deepen your mind, open you up to understand, see God, that He's there, no matter what you may be experiencing or what troubles you may be having. So I really believe we're going to need God's help to do that. So would, we, would you just bow and let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for everyone here. I thank you for them. I thank you for the love of God you put in my heart for them. I thank you that we can be here together. I thank you that we can have a great air-conditioned building, look at this marvelous screen and see pictures and sing songs with great instrumentalists and singers. We're praising you. We're worshiping you, but we need your help. Please speak. Please help us understand. Please teach us through the Bible what we need to know. Help us. Lord, I pray for everyone here. You help them see you in their life today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're, we're studying the book of Psalms, and we've got all these emojis up here because we're trying to indicate that the book of Psalms deals with lots of different feelings, lots of different emotions, and helps you work things through. I was trying to think this week how I could um, illustrate the Psalms. The Psalms are written by different psalmists, especially David, but they're, they're very complex, and there's lots of messages there. And I thought, well, it's kind of like a door. And there's knocking. Lord, Lord, is that you? Lord, um, I need to talk to you. I got some, I got some issues I got to talk about. I got to talk to you about it. Lord, Lord, you got to talk to me. I need to hear from you. I, I need to understand some things. Lord, I don't only need to talk to you. I need you to talk to me. Lord, I've got, I've got some problems. I mean, I follow you. I worship you. I'm, I'm all about you, Lord. I want to follow you, but I, there's um, problems that I don't quite comprehend. I'm confused. I'm confused. That's what it is, Lord. So come on. Open up, Lord. I've got some questions, uh, things that I need answers to, or it's really going to be hard for me to go on, Lord. So, Lord, I've got to hear from you now. Come on, Lord. I'm serious. Open up. I got to talk to you. I need to know what's going on. Lord, did you forget me? It seemed like you used to be there. I don't feel you now. Where are you, Lord? Lord, I'm desperate. I'm crying out to you, Lord. I'm crying out, Lord. Hear my cry. Lord, I see your handiwork all around. 
I see you in the mountains. I see you in the ocean. I see you in the rivers. I see you in, in the animal kingdom. I see you even among people. I see you. I declare you. Come on, Lord. Talk to me. Lord, the wicked are in charge down here. They rule. They, they, there's some really nasty people out there, Lord. In fact, I wish you'd go get them. You've got to take them down. I wish evil would come back at them, Lord. This isn't right. Lord, I thank you. I adore you. I recognize you. I honor you. You're the Lord. Lord, forgive me. I know. I know I'm wrong. I know I'm not seeing everything. Lord, 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 please forgive me. Lord, do you even care? Do you even care about me? Do you care about us? Lord, there are people out there who hate you, who hate me, and I'm confused. What am I supposed to do? Lord, I need you. Only you can help me, Lord. Help me. And then, throughout the Psalms, the psalmist declares in many of the Psalms, the Lord helps. The Lord opens. The Lord's there. The Lord speaks. And there's all kinds of Psalms that sing his praises and give him thanksgiving over and over again, especially toward the end of the book of Psalms, right? One after another. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Thank the Lord for his outpouring. Thank the Lord for his answers. And we're praising God for all he's done. You know, it really doesn't seem to come together until you get to like the end of the Bible. You get to the end of the whole Bible... In the last book of the Bible, Revelation, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to a church in Laodicea. There are a lot of issues. They're crying out like this. They're disappointed. They're frustrated with God. And what does Jesus say to the church at Laodicea? He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. He's trying to say, I was there the whole time. You just need to open the door. And to start this sermon today, Psalm 46 is written to a whole group of people, I'll explain in a minute, who, who needed to recognize again, God's right here. It's just up to you. Behold, I stand at the door knock. It's a question of whether you open or not. Open your mind. Open your heart to the Lord. That's the answer. And it's in Psalm 46 beautifully. I love Psalm 46 because it's all about the presence of God and all about God and what he can do. Let me give you the background. You probably don't know. In fact, until I did some research this week, I wasn't that familiar with it either. But the background of Psalm 46 is this. It comes out of the book of Chronicles in the Old Testament. Jehoshaphat was the king. I don't know if you know much about the kings of Judah, but Jehoshaphat was a good king. So he wanted to take out all the idol worship that had crept into the children of God, and he wanted to, 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 to take it out. So the, what they called the high places, he destroyed the idols. 
And then he took some of his priests and he sent them all over his kingdom. said, I want you to go teach people the Bible. I want you to go teach them about the law of God. So they went around they taught about the law of God that Moses had given, right? So they went around teaching everybody. But then, here's this righteous king trying to do what's right. All these enemies gang up against him. You know, the Moabites, the Ammonites, all the Nightmites, whatever. They all gang up. And they're all coming after him. And he's afraid. And he cries out to God, like I just said, in his frustration, in his confusion, Lord, what's going on? Why don't you help me here? You just leave us out here. He declares in all of his kingdom a fast. Everybody fast and pray, he says. And God raises up this prophet. And the prophet comes to him and says this. Ready? Second Chronicles chapter 20 reads like this. I'll read it for you. Put it on the screen. Jehazel, who is the prophet, comes before him, and he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the, by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in that battle, but stand firm. Hold your position. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. You know what happened? History records it. They went to sleep, got up the next morning, went out to fight the battle thinking, we're going to get creamed. I mean, there's ten thousands of them and there's only a few of us. But God had created confusion among all these allies and distrust, and they didn't trust each other. And when they saw the war, the, the, the battle coming on, they went against each other. And by the time Jehoshaphat and his army got there, all they found were dead bodies. They killed each other. And so they wrote this song. So they wrote this saying, the Lord says he'll fight for you. The Lord says all you got to do is turn to him. He will do the fighting. The Lord says... Look at verse 1, for example. Well, let's look at the idea first. The big idea of the sermon is what? The Lord is there for you. And just like he was there for them when they were feeling doubts, when they were feeling fear, and you might be here today having great doubts or great fear, that's okay. That's one of the steps in the process of growth. But maybe God's trying to up the ante. Maybe God's trying to create the spiritual intelligence. Maybe God's trying to give you more insight so you realize, you know... Maybe I'm doing this all wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of this all wrong. Maybe the battle is the Lord's. And my own fighting is just futility because the battle's the Lord's. It results in victory. There's two points, just two simple points I want to make with you today. And the first one is this. The Lord is there for you in your troubles, point one, in our troubles. Look with me at verse one. These guys wrote this psalm. God, through the psalmist, wrote this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
I'm going to spend a lot of time on verse 1 because it's so (laughs) powerful. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You understand, that's a statement, right? That's just a statement of faith. You're saying, well, God's my help, and He's my strength, He's my refuge, and, and He's there when I'm in trouble. It's a statement. You know, to start anything with God, to grow anywhere in spiritual intelligence, to be able to advance anywhere with the Lord, it tells us in the Bible it takes faith. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We'll put it on the screen for you. It reads like this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to Him must believe that what? He exists. And He's the rewarder of those who diligently or seek Him consistently. That's what it means. So they're starting in the right place. And they're saying, oh my gosh, I'm glad we cried out to the Lord because it reminded us the Lord's our refuge against this horde of enemies. The Lord's our strength. We're going to count on Him. So I challenge you this morning, use your faith. Don't fixate on just the troubles. Don't just fixate on the enemy. Fixate on the Lord. The Lord is my refuge and strength. That's where He starts. That's where this whole psalm starts. That's where you need to start. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but are you afraid? You're scared of something? You know, there's many people in this world that say, we should be very afraid. Why, you ask? Well, because of Iran and the nuclear threat, because of Korea, North Korea and the nuclear threat, because of ISIS terrorists wanting to kill us all. Because of Russia and China, not so sure they want to team up with us. They're two extremely powerful nations. Not to mention all the dictators. I've had relatives of mine live in different places in the world. I can't believe how many dictators there are that hate America with great passion. Chemical warfares and on and on the list goes. That would be reasons enough to be scared, but you know, you have your own personal reasons, right? The threat of cancer or heart disease or economic collapse or car accidents, or addictions, or diseases of all different kinds. Internet crime, identity theft, murder, unfair laws targeting Christians, robbery, and on and on the list goes, not to mention uh, natural disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes. We had thunder and lightning for that effect last night in the service because of the storm. And I didn't even mention spiritual warfare. It tells us that the devil himself prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Are you worried? Are you scared? But got you scared yet? (laughs) There's a lot to be scared about. There's a lot to be afraid of. But the Lord is your refuge. He is your strength. He says, I'll be there even in times of trouble. I'm prisoned. In the very present, in, in, in times of trouble. In fact, did you notice this word refuge literally means shelter or safe place. Strength means that in the battle, he's there. He's the power. And the point he's saying when he says, God is our refuge and strength, what he's trying to say to Israel, what he's trying to say to you and me is that, listen, listen, did you forget? God always wins. Always. He doesn't lose. God wins. No one can defeat God. No one's more powerful. There's no one that can keep you more safe. There's nothing. There's nothing on earth. There's nothing in heaven that can keep you safer than God. That can give you more power to sustain you and to get you through. There's no army big enough. 
There's no weapon strong enough to defeat the Lord. There's no best technology or best science or more political power or money, more money power. Did, have you and I forgotten? I wonder if Israel had forgotten. Do have you and I forgotten all the stories of the Bible? Just to mention a few, how about Moses? Moses had taken a bunch of Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He's heading to what's called the Promised Land. But before they get there, the Egyptian army changes their mind and they start chasing them. And so Moses raises his hand when he's trapped between the army and the Red Sea and the sea parts. The children of Israel walk through and they raise his hand again. And the most powerful, biggest army in the world at that time, be like the American army, the water came in and killed them all. Drowned. Moses wasn't supposed to win that battle, but he did. Because his refuge and strength was in the Lord. Or how about Joshua? You know, you know how the old little story goes? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. It was a walled, fortified city. This is his first battle. You're not supposed to win this. You can't beat Jericho. Kept marching around, marching around. The walls themselves just fell in. <laughs> Because his refuge and strength was in the Lord. Or how about David? David against Goliath, the eight foot five giant? You're supposed to beat this guy? Impossible. Look at his armor alone. You couldn't even carry it, little David. He's got a slingshot and a stone. He throws it, hits him in the head. The rest of the army goes fleeing. Israel comes in and takes over. He was supposed to lose that. There's no way he could win that. It was an impossibility. But his refuge and strength was in the Lord, and he beat Goliath. Well, one of my favorites. How about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? 1 Kings chapter 18. I love this one. Remember, there's only one prophet left. It's Elijah. There's 450 prophets of Baal. They're going to kill him. And he says, hey, I'll make a deal with you. Let's build an altar right here, and whosoever God can light that thing on fire without a match, that one's the true God. And those guys kept going, yeah, okay, great. Let's do it. You know, you're dead. You're done. You're, you're cooked. You're, you're already over. But we'll, we'll try. Yeah, go ahead. So they dance around. They cut themselves. They scream to their gods, and their altar just sits there. Nothing happens. Elijah prays one little prayer, and boom, it's like the thing was soaked in gasoline. It just ignites and catches on fire. And the people grab the prophets, take them down the river, and kill them all. He wasn't supposed to win, folks. Who could beat what, what are the odds? 450 to 1? And you're going to pick the 1? Impossible. His refuge and strength was the Lord. In times of trouble, yeah, you got 450 against you and you're only one. You got trouble and the Lord wins. Not to, we could go on with Daniel and the lion's den, a whole bunch of other stories. Did you notice it says here, Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I wonder why he would put the word present there. I think it's because their present life is where they were living now and the things we were facing now. And he's saying, not only will God promise you future victory, he'll give you victory now. Present help. I don't know what you might be facing, how depressed you might be, how discouraged his seems right now, or how low, or, you know, what the doctors have said, or what they're saying about the situation you're facing at the work, or your financial consultant. But the point is this. The Lord's your present help, not just future help. Present. That's why he says it that way. It's what God's trying to talk to all of us about right now. 
I think, I think the problem is, it's kind of like that door thing. It, we, we, we don't realize he's right there. I remember the night I was converted. I was 18 years old. I'm in my bedroom by myself, and I'm under extreme conviction. I fold my hands, put my elbows on my bed, and I begin to pray. I didn't know God was there. He was right there. I didn't prompt myself. I didn't think this up. I had heard no sermon. No one talked to me. I hadn't read the Bible. I mean, like, God was there? Yeah. You can't explain it any other way. Then someone told me how to share my faith, and I'd go around talking to people about the gospel in the shopping malls. My friend Rob Fisher and I would go in these shopping malls and share the gospel with kids. Kids would weep. Kids would pray with us. The Jesus movement happened. We'd have hundreds of kids get baptized. You mean God was there in the shopping mall? Yeah. You mean God was there when, I, when we had these festivals and kids come up? Yeah. He showed up. He was there all along, and we didn't know it. Do you think God could be there right now in this service right here? I believe so. He is right here. That's what he means. A very present help in time of trouble. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe he exists. And he's the rewarder of those who trust him. Open the door. He's here all along. And you never knew it. I wonder how many occasions in your life you're like so frustrated, you're so in tears, you're so brokenhearted, you're so mad, you're so hurt. And God says, I'm right here, right here, right here. Yeah, he's right there. How do you access him? Faith. That's what the prophet you and I just read was challenging Israel to do when they were worried about their enemies. I remember dealing with some people once. I was an intern pastor in a church right after I'd become a Christian and gone to Bible college. And the pastor I was under was dealing with this teenage girl who was clearly demon-possessed. It cannot be explained in a psychological format. It just it didn't fit any of the diagnosis. There was other powers at work, and then we heard voices speaking through her, which was not a multiple personality thing. From what I understand, that means these were different voices. It was a different being. And I'm thinking to myself, you mean, you mean in this room, in this pastor's office, there's other beings here? Yeah. You mean in this room, God's here? Yeah. And I was like, enlightened. My spiritual intelligence grew. Where's your spiritual intelligence? Are you in kindergarten or are you in graduate school? Where are you? Have you grown? Have you put your faith in him and trusted him and seen him come through? That, that's, that's where we're at here in this passage. Or remember when we built our first building. We, we had to pour cement on this one day. We had everything ready. It was mostly guys in the church with a couple of contractors, a couple of faithful workers, and guys in church that knew some stuff. We had everything ready to be poured, and it was the last day of the year we could get things poured. If not, the freeze would hit, and we wouldn't be able to pour until the spring, and we'd probably be out of money in the whole thing. <laughs> it was a joke. And that day, it rained. You can't pour when it's raining. But literally, trucks would pull in the driveway with the windshield wipers on and then turn them off like... I can't believe it's not raining here, they'd say, you know. Thirteen trucks pouring cement. 
Or when we went to the, for this building, this building right here, it's like a miracle. We, we go before the township board, and they usually have seven people on the township board. Two of them had to be gone that week, so we were going five, up against five of them. And if we didn't get five votes out of five people, we couldn't have built this building. Seriously, folks, that's where we're at. And we decided, well, the Lord wants us to go. Let's go. The Lord will fight for us. And he did. We knew some of those people voted against us. They wanted to vote against us, and they couldn't. Really, a man who gave heavily to our church said that to me. He said, Marty, I got a lot of money. I can change a lot of things, but I can't change anybody's mind. God did that. You mean God was in the township meeting? Yes. He's very present right now in your trouble. I'm just challenging you as a spiritual leader to open the door. Jesus is knocking. He says, let me in. It's just a matter whether you'll open up or not, believe it or not, or doubt it and question it. That's what spiritual means. It means you're going to believe God's here now. And that's what they had to believe. Look at the next two verses. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be removed into the heart of the sea. If you read the book of Revelation, you'll see this in there. And though its waters roar and foam, though, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Cecilia there, I'll explain that at the end of the sermon. Anyway, he says, therefore, as a result of God being your refuge and strength and always being there right now, Therefore, we will not fear. Remember once in my mini church, I did a study. Uh, I said, let's look at all the passages in the whole Bible about fear. When God says, don't be afraid, fear not, all those kind of things. We found tons of them, enough to study for the whole year. And everybody was kind of astounded how often God kept saying that. And I wonder why God keeps saying that because you and I have a propensity to be ruled by fear, governed by fear, intimidated by fear, motivated by fear, not by God. We keep forgetting he's our refuge and strength. He's the all-powerful God. I can trust him. Look at the next few verses. Look at four through seven. There is a river whose streams made glad the city of God. So he's talking about Jerusalem there. The holy habitation of the Most High. And he's trying to say, guys, you got nothing to worry about. God's not going to let Jerusalem get attacked. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. He said, if God was going to destroy Jerusalem, he'd have told you in advance. Because later on, God does allow it to be destroyed because he told him he would. Verse 6, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. And then this verse, verse 7, is repeated again in verse 11. He says, The Lord of hosts is with us. That's the key to the whole thing. He's with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I need to move on to point two, but before I do, maybe I better just stop right here. Because I don't know if you can feel it or not, but there's an elephant in the room right now. Right here. What's the elephant in this room? Here it is. If God is so present, if God is so powerful and so real, then how come it doesn't seem like it? 
How come it doesn't feel like it? How come I can't sense him or... Where is he? Well, let me suggest to you there's only two possible answers to that question. That elephant. One, the door is shut and locked. You can't get to him, he can't get to you. Or the other answer, the door is open. Jesus was right. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. The scriptures are right. He's our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. It's just you. Really, you become the door. Will you be open or will you be closed? Will you believe he's here even when it looks and feels and tastes like he's not? To say, but he is. Just like the children of Israel had to believe they could go up to battle. Just like David had to believe he could go against Goliath. Just like Moses had to believe he could beat the Egyptian army. Just like Elijah believed he could beat the prophets of Baal. You have to say, okay, okay, bring it on. I got the Lord. Can you say that? Bring it on. I got the Lord. He's my refuge. He's my strength in times of trouble. Point two. The Lord is there for you in his works. That's what he finishes with him, starting with verse 8. He says, come behold the works of the Lord. We've recounted some of them here today. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Do you see the emphasis of the word he, 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 four times he's trying to point out, well, he's the one that's in charge. He's the one that takes care of this. It reminds me of the theological terms. There's three theological terms used to describe God. There's more than that, but these three, and they all use this word omni, omni. Omni means all, like omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. Like Psalm 139 says, you can't get away from him no matter where you go. The highest heights, the deepest depths, you can't get away from the Lord. Yeah, he's everywhere. Omniscient, omniscient. Another way to use the word omni, omniscient is he's everywhere and knows everything. From the beginning to the end, like he wrote about in the Bible, he knows everything. God understands. He's all wise, all knowing, all comprehending. And then omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, meaning he is most powerful. There is no greater power. There is no greater source. There is no greater strength than the Lord. So if the Lord's your refuge and your strength, you got nothing to worry about. If he's not, then you probably do. But if the Lord's your refuge and strength, as he says here, he's the one that breaks the bow. He's the one that shares the spear. He's the one that does the fighting. So that's why he says, verse 10, you ready? Cools first. Look at verse 10. Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Doesn't it make sense now? Just be still. It's as though they were all worried, all hesitant. Let's get ready. Let's go fight. Let's do it. And I wonder sometimes if all of our hysteria and our frantic rush to try and win this, figure that, do this, do that, it's just a self-defeating process of us trying to 
whip it up and trying to make it work for us. And the Lord says, stop it. Stop, just be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still literally means to just cease and to let down. If there's, maybe, maybe that's all you need to get from this sermon. That you got to quit trying so hard. You got to quit pushing your weight around. You got to quit trying to manipulate and make it work. Because you are fighting a losing cause. Because it's about you. Not him. Be still, he says, and then you'll know. You know what the imagery is here? The imagery is of two guys fighting, and then we get up and split them up and hold them back from fighting each other and say, hey, guys, cool off, cool off. Think, come on, think. Use your brain here. This is stupid. What are you doing fighting? Ah, it happens so much in church. We're sitting there fighting each other, and the Lord wants to split up and say, be still and know I'm God. This is really not about you. It's about my kingdom. Let's go. Let's make a difference. But you fight each other. It's true in our marriages. It's true in our relationships. It's true in our church. We need to be still. Stop the frantic running. There's a book I love. Remember, I, I referred to this a couple years ago. I kept trying to promote this book, get people to buy it. Many of you did. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. If you remember, Paul's man lives just across the river in Pennsylvania. Has a great ministry and um, has a special needs child. And talked about his praying life and how hard it is and how what struggles he has because his praying life meets into his real life and there's struggles. And so he's, he's saying in this book, what we need to learn to do is live in our father's story. If he's our heavenly father, How do we live in the story he's writing? Listen to this. I thought it was very insightful. He puts it this way. Living in our father's story means living in tension. To live in our father's story, remember these three things. Ready? Number one, don't demand that the story go your way. In other words, surrender completely. Number two, look for the storyteller. Look for his hand. And then pray in light of what you are seeing. In other words, develop an eye for Jesus. Like I said, I think he's there all the time. We just don't see him. He's saying, well, start looking for the storyteller. Then number three is what? Stay in the story. Don't shut down when it goes the wrong way. I don't know about you, but uh, I do that. And it's not like I go against the Lord or, or, or I go away from the Lord. I just kind of freeze. I don't know what to do now. And he's saying, don't let that happen. He says this last one, staying in the story, can be particularly difficult. When the story isn't going the way we want it to go, ask yourself, what's God doing? Be on the lookout for strange gifts. God loves to surprise us with babies in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. <laughs> yeah, he likes to surprise us. Sometimes when we say God is silent, what's really going on is that he hasn't told the story the way we wanted it told. He'll be silent when we want him to fill in the blanks of the story we are writing for ourselves. But with his own stories, the ones we actually live in, he's seldom silent. Did you hear that? 
Here's a mini story that captures what I mean. While I was speaking at a camp for children with disabilities, like my own daughter, one of the volunteer workers felt falsely accused by someone's parent. After listening to her tell me about it, I brightened up and I told her, well, now you can serve Jesus instead of just serve parents. (laughs) Having been in similar circumstances, I was genuinely excited for her. Nothing clears out self-righteousness better than serving someone who is critical of you. To see the storyteller, you need to slow down. Sometimes we miss him because we need to be still. Our interior life needs to slow down and we need to watch God. We need to be embedded in the Word of God to experience the storyteller's mind and pick up the cadence of his voice again because we've lost it. We need to be alert for the story for the storyteller's voice speaking into the details of our lives. The story God weaves is neither weird nor random. It always involves bowing before his majesty with the pieces of our lives. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Simply say, I I just want to be still. And I'm going to come before God with these pieces because my life seems like a shattered mess and just say, okay, Lord. You're the Lord. You're my refuge, my strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I want to be still and know you're God. I wait upon the Lord. Watch this video clip with me. It kind of lays it out, and I'll come back. I know your story. I've read it cover to cover. And I know the storms that will come. The waves will swell and the sky will darken. Though you'll fight against the current, you'll be swept away. You'll feel helpless and abandoned. And you'll wonder where I am in the midst of it all. I know this isn't the way you thought our relationship would work, but my plans are not for my comfort or yours. My purposes are always and only an expression of love. The scars in my hands are proof that love will sometimes lead you directly into the storm. Though you can't understand my plans, you can trust in one thing, that I am entirely good. You can't even imagine how good I am, and my plan for you is no different. When you shout asking where I am, know that I am right behind you, with my arms wrapped tightly around you, whispering, I will never let go. For you are the pinnacle of my creation and the center of my affection. There will come a day when I will quiet every storm, and wipe away every tear. In that day, there will be no more pain or death. But until that day comes, I will be your anchor in this storm. 
First, <clears throat> let me apologize if you're seasick right now. But doesn't it seem like that sometimes our life is just... And you do feel sick. This particular psalm we've just listened to this morning tells us, well, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And you need to just be still and know he's God. And he's got you. He's right there. Jesus put it together in the book of Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears his voice, you hearing him today? You hearing him? Just open the door. It's just opening your heart, opening your mind, opening your will, saying, well, I'm going to quit this running around, this drifting around even, and I'm just going to fixate on the Lord. You know the biggest problem? Biggest problem is we fixate on the trouble, the tension, the betrayal, the anger, the fear, the broken relationships, the disappointments. And I'm saying to you, stop it. Be still and know that I'm God. He's your refuge and strength. Put your faith and trust in him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot even get close to understanding these things. I want to increase your spiritual intelligence by helping you believe God for your life today, right now. And you can do this. It's a matter of prayer. It's a matter of trust. At the end of this passage, he repeats one last verse. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Like I said, he also said that in verse 7. So if he's repeated it twice, he must have some meaning there. He said, the Lord's with you. Just because you don't see him, you can't feel him, you don't sense him, doesn't mean he's not there. He certainly is. And he will be your fortress against all the attacks and all the problems. But only if you open the door and let him do that. Come on in to his presence. At the end, he mentions this word, selah. Theologians aren't even sure what that word means. They do mean, know it means one thing. It could be for the musicians. It could be for, for, for different pauses there. It, it certainly means pause. And how fitting for this psalm, pause. Yeah. Push the pause button right now and say, well, I'm going to wait on the Lord and pause. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is there. I'm just going to trust him. I'd like you to stand up with me. Let, let's stand and pray today. Worship team's going to come out. They're going to lead us in one song that seems to fit right here. And so before you sing it with them, let's pray one prayer. Dear Lord, we stand on our feet representing that we're opening the door, saying, okay, come on in, come on in. I heard you knocking, Lord. And I'm going to say, come on in. My life is about you. I'm here to serve you. Can you say that? Can you say, Lord, I'm here. 
I got troubles. I got pain. But somehow in the midst of pain is when you seem to scream the loudest, like C.S. Lewis says. So here, I'm hearing you screaming at me, and I'm opening the door. Why don't you say with me, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. You, you fill in the blank. What is it? Is it financial? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it relational? What, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm putting it in your hands. And I will walk away and let you run it. Like Israel had to go fight the battle with King Jehoshaphat. And you did all the work ahead of time. I'm going to trust you to do the work. So here we go, Lord. It's you and me. This morning, I'm going to get this clear. I trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I trust God to work in my life today, tomorrow, this week, right now. You're my present help in time of trouble. I will be still and know and watch you work. In Jesus' name.